1: Five-hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
3: Down. Down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Valley, coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, still dedicated enough that he's recording from the garage of his home, co-host Andrew D. Favelli. We have lots to get to in what is our first post-NBA Finals podcast. How bittersweet is that? Just want to remind everyone, though, implore everyone, beg everyone, pretty, 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 pretty please with sugar on top. Continue to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Still the best way you can help out the pod. We love when those numbers go up. We love seeing reviews. Uh, definitely subscribe if you haven't done that already. Do so for your family and friends. They will thank you later. Trust Andy and I on that front. You can also continue to get 15% off at MBA Math Shop. That's nbamath.com slash shop, promo code Benno, B-E-N-O. That definitely should be easy enough to remember if you listen to this podcast ever. And now, before we start things off, the question that everyone wants to know the answer to, Andy What do you think of the Raptors firing Dwayne Casey just so they
4: could promote Nick Nurse? (laughs) Um, Is that the latest story? What's that? Is that the latest uh, angle for his firing? I know that it seems like there's a lot of, um, I don't know if outrage is the word, but people don't seem too pleased with that Nick Nurse hiring.
3: I don't have an issue with it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't either. It does seem like they're just trying to kind of double down on what they were already doing from last season I don't know what makes him better qualified to do that though than Dwayne Casey maybe it was just a matter of hey we're stale we're gonna change up the voice I don't it doesn't outrage me but it also did they get rid of him knowing that Nick Nurse was gonna be the assistant like that he was the choice because it didn't uh, seem that way
4: well yeah they went through a search at least I wonder if the players like him um and that was a sort of a uh, in his cap during this search i i'm always i think we've already talked about this but i'm always for like trying somebody new there's so many teams that just go with guys who've um i don't know if failed is the right word because it's it's pretty easy to get fired in the nba but when you go with somebody who's been at like two or three stops already it just that feels stale to me so i'm all for trying somebody new um you know it was his offensive philosophy that seemed to turn them uh into to me an offensive juggernaut this past season I I think we saw flashes of DeMar DeRozan being a more modern player at the beginning of the season maybe they can lean more into that stuff uh uh, this coming season so I I am yeah if they could I I don't know who would trade for DeMar DeRozan um (laughs) given where the league's going it's uh now, now you've got me spinning on DeMar DeRozan. Sorry, potential I shouldn't, traits, have, I shouldn't but...
3: have brought that up. <laughs> <podcast. laughs> anyway,
4: um, yeah, I'm fine with the Nick Nurse hiring. I, I, th- I think uh, I'm think i all for new blood is, is what I'm rambling to get to.
3: The thing is, is that there's no problem hiring an assistant. And that's what people seem to... Uh, it's fair to yeah, question but... whether if they were so sure that he was the guy, then why was there a search? I get that slant. But the whole, but you this, want to at
4: least do your due diligence.
3: Right. That's also fair because Ben people would have criticized them for that. Yeah, they would have just this. gone
4: immediately for him. They would have gotten the same crap the Grizzlies got for hiring bigger staff or the, the same crap that the Suns got for hiring Earl Watson.
3: The other thing that I don't necessarily get is that why are we just assuming that the Raptors as currently constructed cannot get to another level? I'm not saying if LeBron is still in Cleveland that they'll get to a point where they could just steamroll him, but... Um, And this, I don't mean to paint all Pacers fans with a brush, but over the weekend, I tweeted something, or maybe it was an article, and I had a few Pacers fans my mentions saying, well, how could you call the Raptors contenders and then not the Pacers? And okay, well, the Raptors just had the number one seed in the East. I don't care that they got swept by the Cavaliers. Their entire season says more than the Pacers' one seven-game slugfest with Cleveland. And the other thing for me, their argument was the Pacers have way more upside because of... Oladipo, Miles Turner, Sabonis, if you, one, think that it's more likely the Pacers will be better than the Raptors and that Victor Oladipo is going to remain a top 15 player, then you do that the Raptors are still going to be really good. That's problematic. And I, Victor Oladipo and the Pacers are probably legitimate. That's my stance on them. But Oladipo just had this fifth year leap, which doesn't really ever happen. To that degree. And you're going to paint that as more sustainable than the Raptors being a more serious contender in the East. And the last problem I have with that, which is really where my initial point comes in, Toronto has upside on its roster. They could re-sign Van Vliet. He's pretty young. Dylan Wright's not really young, but he's only played, what does what he play, two seasons in the NBA, three seasons in the NBA. You have Pascal Siakam, you have Yoko Pertle, you have OG Ananobi. This team has upside and you can point to their main players and say, Abaca has peaked. You won't, I won't, you won't catch an argument there for me. DeRozan and Lowry have kind of peaked, but you're gonna you're more likely, in my opinion, to get similar, comparable production to what Lowry and DeRozan gave you this year than you are to get what Victor Oladipo gave you. And that's not a shot against Victor Oladipo, I feel like I'm just playing the established odds
4: here. Yeah, I think that's been one of the main strengths of Toronto the last couple of years is the fact that they've built sort of this young core underneath the guys that have been the face of the franchise for the last couple of years. So I, I'm fully with you. There's still room for them to grow. And, it, and if some of those young guys take another step and maybe step into a bigger role over the next couple of seasons, they could certainly look a little bit different and maybe even a little bit better.
3: Moral of the story is Pacers fans, please don't turn into the pre 2007
2: Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. At Cordell & Cordell, we encourage our clients to participate, to recognize how essential their role in this process is. They've got to be willing to help us help them. And by working jointly in a sort of partnership, we're more likely to get the best possible outcome for our clients. And that's really the standard that our clients can fairly hold us to, is what is the best possible outcome for them. So clients who are facing divorce need to recognize that for them to succeed, they need a partnership, a partnership between them and their attorney.
5: The attorneys at Cordell & Cordell work to help men maximize their role in their children's lives. Contact the domestic litigation firm of Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's San Francisco area attorneys, a partner men can count on. Six five zero three eight nine one 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 one. Online at CordellCordell.com. That's CordellCordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly
2: Llewellyn licensed in California. Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the Domestic Litigation Firm Cordell and Cordell. At Cordell & Cordell, we encourage our clients to participate, to recognize how essential their role in this process is. They've got to be willing to help us help them, and by working jointly in a sort of partnership, we're more likely to get the best possible outcome for our clients. And that's really the standard that our clients can fairly hold us to, is what is the best possible outcome for them. So clients who are facing divorce need to recognize that for them to succeed, they need a partnership, a partnership between them and their attorney.
5: The attorneys at Cordell & Cordell work to help men maximize their role in their children's lives. Contact the domestic litigation firm of Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's San Francisco area attorneys, a partner men can count on. 650 389 1111. Online at cordellcordell.com. That's cordellcordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn, licensed in California.
3: 17 2018 Raptors fans. The whole like my team. My team is better than your team and you won't admit it. Please don't do that. Thank you. End of diatribe. The other really quick thing I wanted to get to, speaking of the Raptors. Dwayne Casey, now the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, I was flummoxed. that I wasn't flummoxed. It actually seems like they almost had to beg him to come to Detroit. You give him five years at like $7.5 million, I think it was, or five years, $35 million, That kind of reeked of, we want a big name, and Dwayne Casey's not coming to Detroit without that kind of money.
4: That contract was huge. I remember thinking the same thing when I saw the numbers, and I— <laughs> Good for I him, did not first expect- of all. I loved. Yeah, Casey. that's great. Good for him. Um, the whole situation in Detroit is really weird to me. They, <laughs> as of this recording, we are nine days away from the NBA draft. <laughs> they just now hired Dwayne Casey. They still haven't installed a new front office. They, they effectively scrapped everything. It wasn't more than a few days after the season, right?
3: No, it wasn't that. Or, or, it, was in my de- it was more yeah, delayed I mean, like than I thought. It took they, a little bit.
4: But they've had plenty of time to figure this out, and they should have had some people in mind, I would think, even before they made the official decision to move on from Stan Van Gundy. It, it just blows my mind that we are basically about a week from the draft, and they don't have everything in place yet. I mean, typically you want a front office going into the draft. <laughs> Oh, so here's, here's
3: my thing on that. And I, I like kind of agree with you, but I do kind of feel like they might opt to groom someone younger in the head executive role. In which case, I don't think this creates the issue of, Oh, this, this isn't the guy's head coaching hire. And so maybe Stefanski will have that him having this say here as the senior advisor, what is he to the
4: Pistons at this point? Uh, like just yeah, senior. he was brought in as an advisor to hire people.
3: Yeah, and and so I don't have as big of a problem with that. It is just I the whole situation in Detroit though is weird because of those circumstances, because of the Blake Griffin trade. Still, it's all just it's very weird. and It'll be interesting to see what their front office looks like, probably leading into free agency or after free agency, because it kind of seems like this point that Stefanski is just going to lead the charge. They don't really have anything to do in the draft and then leave the charge into free agency where they don't have the money to do anything anyway. Their biggest move will be re-signing James Ennis if they even want to do that.
4: Yeah, I guess you could say their hands are tied, so maybe it's not as critical for them to have a front office um, as it would be just about any other team. They don't even have a first-round pick, right?
3: No, they don't.
4: They gave that away in
3: the uh, Blake Griffin (laughs) trade. So
4: um, I guess you can say... That's a good enough reason. I, I just still can't get over the fact that we are are full on in the offseason now and they still haven't sorted this out. It just seems like it's taken a while. It's time a rebuilding
3: year. For a team that's about to pay the luxury <laughs> tax, it's a rebuilding year.
4: Yeah. They and they can't truly rebuild for at least a couple of years after this. Um I was I was looking pretty close at their situation two or three weeks ago now. And uh it's hard to find any sort of they, there's just no way for them to reset right now. You can't really get off Reggie Jackson's contract, I don't think. Nobody's going to trade for Blake Griffin at this point, although the Pistons did, and we didn't think they would either. Um, so yeah, like like you said, their their hands are definitely kind of tied right now.
3: Dwayne Casey, though, I'm interested to see what he can do there because it's kind of a team that is it doesn't it's not going to resemb- bear any resemblance to the hard nosed teams that he was known for coaching in the past with Toronto running the offense through two bigs. I don't know if that's necessarily a comfort zone is definitely not going to bear any resemblance to what Toronto has been doing the past couple years, specifically 2017, 2018.
4: Yeah, it will be interesting. I was thinking about that too, is what style can he even implement? Um, because they've been so reliant on guards in Toronto for the last several years and, I just mentioned Reggie Jackson. I, I guess if he's fully healthy, you can replicate a little bit of what you got from Toronto's backcourt. Um, with, with the way their roster is constructed, I feel like the best way for them to play, and I don't know if they fully Transport have... Transport back to the 1990s, early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, that would help. Yeah. Um, Somebody's got a very loud vehicle out there. It sounds like it This is laugh.
3: organic. I want people to know the grind that we go through thank, to bring them thank this, this, that. Thank goodness that finally
4: left. I muted my mic like five times because the person couldn't even start their truck. I, it was just like grinding back there.
3: No, you know what? This is, come on, this is organic. But people <laughs> need to understand the hoops that we drum through to bring them this top notch, a list content.
4: And then they left that thing running right behind me. Okay. Um, so with those two big guys, I feel like you have to have three shooters on the floor as much as you possibly can around those two. Without question. And to me, they have two. They have <laughs> Luke Kennard and they have Reggie Bullock. Who am I missing? Maybe James Ennis can give you a little bit of that. Maybe Reggie Jackson, if he's healthy. Um,
3: yes. Go ahead. Sorry. I,
4: I, I, mean, I was just going to say, ideally, it's it's those two. If you want to play them together, and I think that you have to, because those, those are basically your centerpiece guys at this point you have to have some shooting. And I don't know where they're going to get it beyond those two guys that I named.
3: Oh, and especially if they start Stanley Johnson, they're screwed. because they Yeah, have-
4: if he could ever learn how to shoot, and it's probably too late to expect that, um, yeah, cause like you said, if you start him, now you have three non-shooters and you're in a world of hurt.
3: The issue I go back. So Jackson Drummond and Griffin only played 44 minutes together during the regular season because Jackson was injured and then Griffin was injured to finish the year. Their net rating was insane. I think it was almost like plus 14 per 100 possessions, but those lineups shot nine of 29 from three, which is 31%. Again, too small of a sample but that's going to be the inherent problem they run into. If you have those three, Reggie Jackson's never been better than a league average shooter.
4: And that was like one year, right? It was basically,
3: I think it's two seasons. He's shot 35% or better um, in his career.
4: Yeah, that's not going to get it done. And you have and I'm Stanley looking at Johnson. their roster right now. The only other shooter is Tolliver, and you can't play him with Griffin and Drummond.
3: No, oh my God, no. <laughs> yeah, Like you can, it's, There are going to be some problems, and even if you're willing to play Luke Kennard more, it's if your three best players, your three highest paid players, they might not complement one another. Maybe Griffin can make a leap as a shooter, but it's kind of tough to imagine that if he can't leverage a face-up game amid better spacing, which you probably can't do alongside Drummond and Reggie Jackson and potentially Stanley Johnson. I'm very interested to see how they play, or do they have some sort of move in them? Because I think what the Casey hire says, just like the Blake Griffin trade did, they're still very interested in winning now. Are you going to dangle Stanley Johnson in some trade talks? They don't necessarily have salary filler, but I think you can look at contracts for is Smith, uh, Langston, Galloway as not a movable. John Lohr is probably a movable at this point with two years and $19.5 million left. But they have that money where if you pair it with enough i you know i wouldn't trade canard and um i wouldn't trade two of canard johnson and bullock in the same trade that would just be too like that would be terrible but they maybe they're willing to make that move i and i don't know what that move necessarily be but they could have the salary matching tools to do it i just don't know what the offense looks like and even more so the defense is is going to be a problem as well. Andre Drummond's always been a little bit overrated on that end. It almost seems like he's regressed over the past two or three years as well. They're going to be fascinating to watch and not necessarily in a good way.
4: You were kind of leading into the next question that I um, thought of just looking at their roster. Do they have a single trade asset?
3: Stanley Johnson's not even a trade asset necessarily no, because
4: you mentioned Stanley Johnson and I thought I don't I don't know who would want him the Spurs would take I, him in a heartbeat they I feel like he would I want
3: to see him go there they wanted him I think a couple of years ago and Detroit didn't want to trade him be, but he won his jump shot's a problem and two he's going to be a restricted free agent so teams aren't yeah. going to necessarily give up value and so they don't ha- necessarily have a trade and, asset and they should not be trading any future first round picks at this point point. and Kennard no. given how much they need shooting
4: he I was going to say Kennard Canard and Bullock seem like the only guys that might have some value. And you <laughs> we just said they only have two shooters. So unless you're getting like an all-world shooter back, I, it just doesn't make sense.
3: Yeah, I don't. It's...
4: They are uh, basically stuck.
3: And maybe they're – Maybe and that will be interesting to see what Dwayne Casey makes of that. They're going to be a team that I'm just going to be – I just want to see what their identity is going to look like. Because they didn't even yeah. understand Van Gundy. didn't even get a chance to forge it because you're – quote-unquote, big-ish three weren't really ever healthy together.
4: Mm-mm. And I think they're just Drummond and Griffin together had some nice moments after the trade. And so maybe maybe a full training camp together to kind of work out how that how that fits. Maybe they'll look better next year. And I wouldn't put them contending for the playoffs out of the question.
3: No, um, I mean, the Eastern Conference is going to, especially exactly. we don't know what's going to happen with
4: LeBron. Yeah.
3: The And the other thing is, I don't necessarily think this is something you can count on but Blake Griffin is at least willing to take a bunch of threes now he took 5.9 yeah. per 36 minutes last season and so and shot 35
4: percent so yeah,
3: 34.5 which isn't terrible if you can if you can get that if that can stay there or if you can get it to 35 36 then you can kind of talk yourself into them having enough four-out lineups to make this thing work on the offensive end, I still wonder what it's going to look like defensively, though, with Griffin and Drummond in the front court, And that's where the temptation to play Stanley Johnson comes in because of all that he can do around the perimeter and against some of the bigger wings.
4: Blake Griffin's raw numbers in Detroit, 20.7 rebounds and 6 assists, and he could certainly be a lot more efficient. But if he's healthy, he's still a very, very good player. Um, so if they figure out how to make those two work and and playable in a long term sense or, or you know extended minutes, uh, I think they'll be at least moderately interesting <laughs> next year. That's about as nice a compliment as I can pay them right now.
3: I think that's a good place to end it. They might be moderately interesting if they're lucky. <laughs> Andy Bailey, yeah. you heard it from him first.
2: The. Re- Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. At Cordell & Cordell, we encourage our clients to participate, to recognize how essential their role in this process is. They've got to be willing to help us help them. And by working jointly in a sort of partnership, we're more likely to get the best possible outcome for our clients. And that's really the standard that our clients can fairly hold us to, is what is the best possible outcome for them. So clients who are facing divorce need to recognize that for them to succeed, they need a partnership, a partnership between them and their attorney. The
5: attorneys at Cordell & Cordell work to help men maximize their role in their children's lives. Contact the domestic litigation firm of Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's San Francisco area attorneys, a partner men can count on. 650-389-1111. Online at CordellCordell.com. That's CordellCordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla Español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn, licensed in California.
2: Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. At Cordell & Cordell, we encourage our clients to participate, to recognize how essential their role in this process is. They've got to be willing to help us help them. And by working jointly in a sort of partnership, we're more likely to get the best possible outcome for our clients. And that's really the standard that our clients can fairly hold us to, is what is the best possible outcome for them. So clients who are facing divorce need to recognize that for them to succeed, they need a partnership, a partnership between them and their attorney.
5: The attorneys at Cordell & Cordell work to help men maximize their role in their children's lives. Contact the domestic litigation firm of Cordell & Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's San Francisco area attorneys, a partner men can count on. 650 389 1111. Online at cordellcordell.com. That's cordellcordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn, licensed in California.
3: The reason we're really doing this podcast is it's a Cavaliers post mortem, which I think is basically just we need to talk about LeBron's free agency. And yeah. do you, do you know what I found interesting listening? I'm not sub talking or like sub potting any one podcast or writer or talking head people who say that they're sick of talking about LeBron or they don't want to talk about LeBron or they they've avoided talking about LeBron like it's some kind of like hip cool thing to do I want to talk about LeBron's free agency like I don't care if it's the low-hanging fruit of topics that's what interests me right now he's the best player in the NBA we should be exhausting his free agency and I don't necessarily understand the I, I get the rumors could be frustrating. Like, oh, his kids are enrolled in schools here. He owns property here. <laughs> but why wouldn't we talk about LeBron's free agency? It's just, I don't, why, is, why would it be cool to avoid that?
4: Because you got to be a contrarian. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I just wanted to have a quick resolution this year. I, I just hope we're not dangling for like a week and a half after it's, free agency. You know it's, it's either
3: a- going to be quick because he'll have opted in and we'll know yeah. that something's happened or it's going to drag out until like July 15th.
4: Well, I saw a, uh, a tweet from Justin Rowan today, and he was quote tweeting someone else, and I, I I can't remember where the original report came from, but it said something like LeBron and the Cavs might even meet this week to discuss his future. And Rowan's quote tweet was something like, "If LeBron really wants to leave, it's going to have to be more of a collaborative effort. So, like you mentioned, he might have to opt in and then be traded, or it could have you know, it's got it might have to be some other." avenue besides just opting out and being a, a unrestricted free agent. Um, so maybe that lends itself to a quicker resolution, which would be just awesome. Because <laughs> I'm i already feeling like a little bit of a NBA hole in my life. we we're, were what, just a few days after the finals? I need more trade rumors, and I need more free agency rumors. I'm ready to find out where these guys are going. And especially LeBron, because he's the table setter. Every time he's been truly available it's like the basketball world stops until we find out where he's going and then everything else gets set into motion so the sooner we figure out where he's going the sooner we can kind of establish what's going to happen with the rest of the NBA and it's crazy that he still has that power in year 15 as I'm saying that I just think wow he's he's been doing this and he's been he has been the guy in the league that sort of dictates how everything else goes for over well over a decade
3: yeah, it, it's amazing. And I think that's, you know, that's the, that's a, I think that's where we need to start or where this entire podcast needs to focus on. What are your, do you have a big board of free agency destinations for him?
4: In terms of where I think he should go or where I think, I think he will go?
3: I think just a combination of most likely and what makes the most sense, like sort of a, like just a blended list that way. I've given this a lot of thought, so I know that I have it, but.
4: So mine will be more um, off the top of my head. I The, the way I think he should go, basketball-wise, and we've talked about this off the pod, and I, I don't really know how they could pull it off, but I think the Spurs is like the ideal basketball spot for him. Um, him and Popovich have been circling each other for what feels like their whole careers. It seems like they have a lot of mutual respect for each other. I think the Spurs are the model for preserving veterans at the end of their career what they did for tim duncan and manu ginobili is just incredible the level that those guys played out in their late 30s and now manu into even his 40s uh was remarkable so it just seems like so natural for him to go there but the more the the closer we get to this decision the more and more i think ah it's just gonna be the lakers and why didn't we (laughs) why didn't we all predict this months ago it was staring us right in the face um those those in some order, are probably my top two. And I don't I don't really know if there's another situation that really jumps out at me. I guess Cleveland is, has to still be in the picture by default, but I'm starting to feel less and less like that's going to happen. Um, and I know you're... I think you're against this just because you think there's absolutely zero chance it would ever happen, but I, I feel like some superstars got to go to the Knicks at some point. It, it ain't gonna and be I don't LeBron. think it'll be LeBron this summer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, beyond those first two teams I named uh, it's just it's like very fringe candidates to me and I think the Celtics thing is interesting but I just don't know if um I don't know what it is about that situation that just feels like it's not that's not going to be where he ends up
3: well I think there are a lot of things about that
4: situation <laughs> all right so I mean for an entertainment perspective I would love to see Kyrie go back to Cleveland but
3: so, I have a list of the seven top destinations, and i'm gonna I'm gonna rank them in uh, increasing order of likelihood that I think he ends up there
4: with. So starting with least likely, right? right.
3: And fit okay. is in mind to some extent, but also feasibility in getting him. So, number seven is the Golden State Warriors. This just seems to be I'm lingering. throwing that one out. I I think it's gone, but I think they've been mentioned enough to talk about it. They're not – I can't picture him – forget about what they would have to do, the salary cap obstacles involved to getting him. I don't think LeBron wants to go there, and that's not even a shot at and Rand. I just think he wants to take down the Warriors.
4: You would think so after the last four years.
3: Right. Um, Now, number six, and it kind of pains me to – To say this, and I actually think I'm going to flip-flop them. I wrote about this, but I'm flip-flopping them post-published. Number six is the Boston Celtics. Because if you look at a lot of these destinations, some of them don't have cap space. And the Celtics are better suited than pretty much almost anyone outside of the Sixers to broker opt-in trades or sign-in trades. They have established stars like Hayward and and Irving. They could dangle. They have prospects like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They have future picks. Uh, it like galore, the Memphis pick top eight protected next year I believe the Clippers is lottery protected first round pick their own first round picks that's Sacramento King's first round pick. they could put deals together. the the problem for me is you I, I, are, are LeBron and Kyrie gonna play together again? I no no and then if you do kind of force that to happen, you're basically inviting Kyrie to leave in 2019. But then if you move him, there's no way that Cleveland's taking him back, right? Because they know that he's gone in 2019. And so now you have to go out and get a third team. Yes, there'll be a third team to take on Kyrie and send Cleveland stuff, but that just seems so complicated. It would be the Celtics would be my favorite destination just as a fan of chaos, because either Irving gets traded for LeBron and and displaced from uh, this environment where he was thriving at because of the superstar that he bolted away from or they have to play together again and there's a chance if not inevitability that he leaves LeBron a second time
4: don't you think uh I was I was actually thinking about him on the Celtics today and even though I said I just don't see it happening I think LeBron Jalen Brown Gordon Hayward um Jason Tatum and Al Horford is a more intriguing lineup than LeBron and Irving and the rest of those guys like if I was Boston I would rather trade Kyrie than Hayward if, oh, if I, uh, if it came down to those two, a hundred percent, you, that's like the craziest, most perfect positionless team in the NBA instantly. And I if he when, is the true point guard.
3: And I think when you look at clearly Hayward has his injury concerns now, but when you look at Kyrie rings knees, even when he's great on deep even when he's better on defense, he's not great. He's going to cost a ton of money and you have, it's easier to replace him. Not all he does, but you look at what Hayward and LeBron can do. And then you have Rozier and you have smart. You don't need Kyrie Irving.
4: And, and it, their switchability on defense, if they had those four guys in well, the lineup would be insane. And and I should throw Hay or Horford in there too, because he right, can certainly switch.
3: Right. And that's what I was about to say. That lends itself to the the issue of it wasn't an issue, but what happened this year? Kyrie Irving is a better player than Al Horford. I'm not even sure I'm ready to go that far, but if he's more maybe Kyrie Irving's more I don't even know how to phrase it, but the Celtics would not have been as good if Al Horford went down after Hayward and Irving was yeah. left to lead the team on his own as opposed to what actually I, I happened. I agree. So that that would be but I just don't see it happening because of all the awkwardness and the Celtics then have to eat some crow because they just they touted getting Kyrie Irving because he fit their timeline and I know you do it for LeBron but what? I just
4: I feel like that would be the craziest story of the last like twenty years. I hope in the it, NBA. that would be my if they f- traded Kyrie for LeBron. <laughs>
3: right, that would be my favorite outcome. Um, number five for me is San Antonio, and I like the fit with Kwai Leonard because I, you know I think he's going to stay there, and I think it's all signs point to him staying there. But they don't have the ad- they're to get cap space. Essentially, you need Rudy Gay and Danny Green to opt out. Then you have to renounce all your own free agents, including Kyle Anderson and Tony Parker. And then you need to hope that you can get rid of Pau Gasol's deal in a trade. And there are some other... He has two years and $32.8 million left, partial guarantee for the final year. There are some other things you could do if you're trading both Gasol and Mills. Then maybe you could keep Danny Green. It's just so many hoops to jump through. It all of a sudden becomes a situation where they need to broker and opt-in and trade or a sign-in trade, and I don't know that they have the pieces to do that unless LeBron really wants to go there, and then you basically dangle, I, I guess, Pau Gasol and DeJounte Murray, the number 18 pick, and then if Rudy Gay opts in, he's an expiring contract. Maybe Cleveland talk, like listens to that. It has to be that type of situation. Not, LeBron would really have to want to go there, and I don't see him exerting that will for a specific team unless it's Houston.
4: There's a, so this is what I was alluding to earlier that you and I have talked about outside the podcast. He, he's not going to want to go there if they have to trade Kawhi to get him, I guess. Right?
3: No, it would be, you know, that would just be weird.
4: <laughs> Cause I don't, I, all that stuff they have to do to get him. Like you said, it is tough. And if the relationship is, as fractured as it seemed between Kawhi and the Spurs like a month ago, maybe he's on the trading block anyway. I don't think he's And just be. a one-to-one swap of Kawhi on LeBron does make San Antonio better, at least in the short term.
3: Right. But it doesn't make, it doesn't make I'm LeBron's still not title convinced. chances better. Unless they're doing that with, it would make, I, I, it would make
4: That's more a better st- title chance than he had in Cleveland. If they had the exact same roster, um, maybe. as they had, He's not going, in that scenario, season, he's just, not going just, to San honestly, Antonio without somebody
3: else. There's another, there'd be another sign and trade in place to have like Paul George there or something.
4: Yeah. The issue is I just don't, I, I, I don't see who wants to trade for LaMarcus Aldridge or Pau Gasol.
3: I think you can talk yourself into Gasol, Gasol if you don't have any other choice because, yes, he makes a ton of money next year. But so he's owed $6.7 of his salaries guaranteed in 2019, 2020. And if he gets moved to a rebuilding team like Cleveland, he instantly becomes a buyout candidate. So maybe he's willing to leave some money on the table. And that's how you can talk yourself into yeah. it. Uh, I, but yeah, that, th- there are just so many hurdles involved. And I don't, I could never, I have no idea why. And San Antonio might not even want to do a Leonard for LeBron swap. Maybe they would because of Leonard's injury. Yes
4: yeah. I was gonna say, if you know you have to trade him and that ends up being one of the options, I'd, I'd probably do that in a heartbeat.
3: It also, you have to, uh, the other thing that I think you have to reconcile here that I don't think they could, and nor do I think they should. Qui Leonard alone doesn't get you LeBron because he's only making $20.1 million next year, and so you have to all of a sudden include, yeah. Other so sour. they'd have to put you would, if you would still have to get yeah, with Gasol, and uh, I guess the team's willing to do that if you're getting Kwai Leonard. But he's also entering free agency and working off an injury. I don't know why. Yeah. I but and if I'm LeBron, I want Leonard there. That that's that's also my other thing.
4: Yeah. I I mean he's certainly going to want to play with some stars. I think, especially after what happened in the finals.
3: I think my number four pick is going to shock you a little bit as low. I have the Lakers because I don't think they're. I actually considered putting them below the Spurs.
4: The, yeah. There's. There's an SLC dunk writer that's been like ranting about this for a week that he just thinks the basketball situation is terrible, but go ahead.
3: Terrible might be extreme, but I thought Lee Jenkins of SI of sports illustrated put it best when he was on the Jim Rome Rome show. He said, that's where to me, the intrigue lies with them. The Lakers, it's not necessarily even about Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. It's more about what they have the potential do, to do with those two max slots with being the Lakers, with being magic Johnson and with some of those young players potentially growing. The Lakers, and now these are my own words, they're not selling now necessarily to LeBron, because if you, let's just say you get, let's let's assume the best case scenario. They get Paul George, they get LeBron James, they get to keep Julius Randle because they've gotten rid of Luol Deng, and you still have Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. That team, fleshed out with whatever veterans you want to throw on there is not only is it not beating the Warriors, it's not beating the Rockets. And I don't, you, do, I'm not saying that that would be a team that punts on a year of LeBron James' prime, but it's not one that's ready to be what he needs it to be. And to say one to two years from now, look at all they could do, you don't get to do that with an age 34 LeBron. As much as I think he wants to contend into his twilight, the next one to two years also really matter.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think if I was him, I would want to go to a situation that's kind of ready made to compete for a title now. Boston. The Yeah. <laughs> the Lakers were pretty good for the last month or two of the season. But and again, if you, I, I actually think they could push the Rockets. And I want to put like a, like a bunch of qualifiers on that. Um, but I, I think they would instantly be very good if they got LeBron and another Max guy.
3: I don't, and you get, there's no argument you for get me there. Obviously.
4: One more leap from Ingram. Maybe Lonzo Ball raises his shooting percentages by, like, 2% across each one. Um, would they still have Josh Hart? Maybe he's a nice piece off the bench. If you get those two guys and Julius Randle, I think that's kind of interesting. You kind of you have to sort out, like, obviously LeBron is the alpha, but it would be interesting to see what Julius Randle does with significantly fewer touches and, and Lonzo Ball with significantly less control over the offense. But they would certainly be intriguing to me. You could. You then they could. Were, Go ahead. I was going to say that you're right that they would be better like two years from now than right away.
3: The other thing they could do is then you use the youth that you have left over. Maybe even Luel Deng's. This is maybe this is all done in conjunction together. And if you have Luol Deng's contract as an anchor, you can put Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball in the same package with him, and maybe that gets you a Kawhi Leonard if he was on the trade block. And so all of a sudden, the big three of Leonard, LeBron, Paul George. But that's like. High in the sky scenarios, and while I think that's a fantastic team, one that could definitely push the Rockets, part of the Warriors' intrigue is their depth. They still have more stars than yeah. Los Angeles in that scenario, and their bench is going to be way better.
4: Did you? Uh, we're going to get off track, and I'm sorry, but did you hear Steve Kerr on the low post yet?
3: Um, no, I did not. I have not listened to that.
4: He he mentioned in there.
2: Hello, I'm Joe Cordell of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. Here are a few quick divorce tips that we provide our clients. Number one, don't move out of your house just because your wife tells you to. Remember, that's your house too. And number two, don't blow through the financial statements that you file with the court. These are key exhibits, and they often make or break your case. And number three, watch the social networking. Expect your wife's lawyer to do a thorough online search. And incidentally, this is a two-way street. Now, a bonus tip. Partner with your attorney in assembling evidence. You're one of the two leading experts on your life and marriage. Your attorney needs your input to achieve your goals. And finally, talk to your attorney before taking action. Good luck. Contact Cordell and
5: Cordell to schedule an appointment with one of our firm's San Francisco area attorneys, a partner men can count on. Online at CordellCordell.com. Offices in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Jose. Se habla español. Legal services available in English and Spanish. Kimberly Llewellyn licensed in California.
6: Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the Hey Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year. Sorry, is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: Just straight up said our bench is going to be younger next year. And it made me think, because you just referenced the Warriors' depth, and I was really curious, like, how much different that team would look. But you're right. It's um, – going like star for star, it's going to be tough for anyone to match Golden State because they have four bona fide stars on that team. Um, Maybe LeBron counts as two (laughs) stars, so you get a little bit closer, but yeah, it's, it's still going to be a very, very, very much an uphill battle wherever he goes to catch the Warriors.
3: Yeah, um, so that that was where I landed with them. I just think they'll be a little too shallow in the interim, no matter what they do now. Uh, my What are we at? Number three. So my third choice for this was the Philadelphia 76ers, which some people might think is also too low. I'm just not – they check, in theory, all of LeBron's boxes. You put him on the team, they're ready to contend now, but they also have that youthful base with Embiid. Saric, Ben Simmons, uh, even Roko, even though he's not that young, to contend into his twilight. They could also go out and make another blockbuster trade because they have all those guys and Markel Fultz and the number 10 pick this year. I just, the fit with Ben Simmons, I just can't get over. He is useless off the ball as anything more than a role man. I don't think LeBron is going to want to play too much off the ball immediately. And then you sprinkle Joel Beat into that, along with Markel Fultz trying to find himself, they would figure it out, but I think it would take time.
4: Yeah, I'm with you. That fit is definitely a little bit uh, wonky to me. Um, LeBron Simmons' pick and rolls would be interesting. I don't know how much of a roller he is, though. And then, obviously, you're taking away, I think, what makes Simmons most valuable is sort of his vision as a creator at the point of attack. So it's it's kind of weird to me, too. I um you know <laughs> i could say this for every team it's obvious why they want lebron but the the fit issues there i think are worth at least bringing up like like you just did
3: that's why i just that's what's tough for me for them number 2 is the cleveland cavaliers and my argument for them is this he stays there and it creates this teflon bubble around his legacy, because if you leave for a third franchise, you better be damn sure that you're going to come really close to winning another title. If not get there. And I'm not saying that's fair because I don't think LeBron has anything to prove, which is why I think he's such a wild card in free agency. At the same time, there's a certain convenience to Cleveland. You can still possibly remain on that NBA finals treadmill. Yes. The Sixers are coming. The Celtics are already here. I don't, I still think at least for another year, maybe two, you can talk yourself into LeBron being enough to get past those squads. The other thing is they won't look the same if he stays. You have Kevin Love, you have the number eight pick, and maybe this is where we get into some of the potential trade packages they could do. Even George Hill's a nice trade asset because of his one million partial guarantee in 2019, 2020. That's why, and again, there's that, that convenience there, which is why they're so high for me. And I almost expect him to resign because that sure thing doesn't exist.
4: And they're in the East, um, which you already, you know, basically mentioned. And, and I think keeping that final streak alive, I don't know how much he thinks about it, but I think he should think about it because that's becoming a pretty big part of his legacy at this point. If he makes it a decade straight in the finals, um, that would just be beyond remarkable in this age. So I think he should definitely be thinking about staying in the Eastern conference. If he goes to the West and we already mentioned this, like pretty much any situation he goes to, I'm not sure pushes the warriors. And I, you know, we're down to one team. So I know what your last one is. Um, And yeah, they probably do push the warriors, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you said about Cleveland there. The one thing, and like I said, at the beginning, it just seems less and less likely that he stays there all the time to me is (laughs) <laughs> they, they have just been beaten to a pulp by the Warriors over the last four years. I know they got one, and I know they can talk themselves into thinking we could have won game one and game three of this series, but in the aggregate, it just to me it feels like the Warriors have dominated this rivalry. And this this finals particularly, I think Cleveland was minus 60 uh, in aggregate score by the end of the series. I, I hope I'm remembering that right. Um there's only been 3 finals losses in NBA history that were worse than that. Two of them were in the 60s and the other one was when the Heat got beat by the Spurs in 2014. Um so to get to get dominated the way that they did in the finals this year, I just feel like that's got to leave a sour taste in your mouth and he has to be thinking uh about potential situations that would be better for beating the Warriors and that that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go find one. I wouldn't be shocked if he went back to Cleveland. Uh, but I I would be shocked if if other stuff is not on his mind right now.
3: What do you think they could do, f- Cleveland trade wise
4: this summer? Like if they keep LeBron, yeah. Is there um, do you the see- only? I mean, you mentioned George Hill. I I think as an expiring contract, he maybe has some value. The only real trade asset other than that is Kevin Love. The other big money, nobody wants Tristan Thompson. I wouldn't think nobody wants J.R. Smith. Um, so you'd have to find something with Kevin Love, and I don't know. I don't know what kind of Kevin Love trade is out there that instantly makes Cleveland more of a contender than it was this year. Yeah, I like don't, he's not. He's not going to go out and get you two stars.
3: Yeah the the package that um, I feel like is floated the most is if you build something with Portland for C.J. McCollum, and I don't. Yeah, I know that's interesting, that I guess. it's interesting, I guess, but I don't know how much that helps you. One of the some of the ones I always come back to, if you, if you're willing to include the number eight pick and you go like monster deal and you're able to get off J.R. Smith and Jordan Clarkson, you're giving the number eight pick, and then there's there has to be other salary involved. Maybe it's George Hill. Would you trade with the Hornets for M.K.G. Batum and Kemba Walker? That's forty seven point four million in incoming salary, and if you're the Cavs, you could essentially match that by sending out Smith, Clarkson, Hill, and you can, you can grease it with the wheels with the number eight pick.
4: So they're not Charlotte's not getting Kevin Love in that package. No. So the only reason Charlotte does it is to get the number eight pick
3: and a ton of salary relief because J.R. Smith is instantly they're all a shorter. Candidate. Yeah. same with George Hill. Jordan Clarkson is technically young enough to be part of the rebuild. How many years does uh Batum has 3 years and it's like 75 million left on his deal
4: about. It was you said MKG, Batum and Kemba?
3: Yep, for let's say number 8, Smith, Clarkson and George Hill.
4: There are other permutations. That's pretty interesting. Yeah.
3: Like, I don't think my guess would be that Charlotte wouldn't be willing to take Thompson in that deal if you wanted to keep Hill, because Hill would be interesting, particularly if you're not going to re-sign Rodney Hood to stay on that roster. Yeah. But,
4: Theoretically, he can place him too. Yeah. He, he's super long. But still,
3: um, he becomes a buyout candidate in Charlotte. But That yeah. would be, depending on how invested Charlotte is in getting, because they're not. I don't think they're going to get much for Kemba Walker since he's an expiring contract. And yeah, if you can get the number eight be, pick while saving long term money, and and some immediate money depending on what kind of buyouts you broker with Hill and Smith because of their partial guarantees next year. So there are some interesting things you could do there. I think it would be, you know, the number eight pick could be a Michael Porter Jr. maybe, or it could be a Mikael Bridges. Wendell this draft Carter. is
4: super interesting. Could um, be
3: Colin Sexton, that would be a good Kemba Walker replacement.
4: I'm not high on Colin Sexton, but that's a topic for another day. People but,
3: think he seems to have like that pizzazz star quality. I need to do more drafts. That helps research. Um,
4: and I and I haven't, I haven't watched enough. Most of what I've done draft wise is stat stuff so far. Um, but they they could certainly get a very good player at number eight. I, I think this is a pretty deep draft. Um, I was I was thinking about the framework that you laid out and i it does make sense um save them some money get a get the number eight pick maybe start your rebuild fairly quick i mean they've got a new general manager who might want to put his own stamp on things and kind of if, if they don't start over they are that's another team that's stuck um but kimba walker is certainly a better trade asset than anything we talked about with the pistons so maybe they do have a way out
3: the other – some other targets that I'll just throw out there, and I don't know. This depends on how interested Washington would be on cutting its tax bill. Otto Porter Jr. with the number eight pick, and there are things you could do with filler there. Do you not think that he's worth it because of his price point? I personally think they would need to trade Bradley be- – they should trade Bradley Beale if they're going to bring up the big three just because Porter – does more that they need. At the same time, when you look at John Wall's contract and how he theoretically could deteriorate offensively, Bradley Beal might be more integral to their future just because of his from-scratch creation. If you could build a package around that, off the top of my head, it would have to be... I I mean, if you're getting the number eight pick as the Wizards, I I think you have to be willing to eat one of Cleveland's less, less savory deals. Maybe it's Clarkson and... I'm trying to think of other filler. I wouldn't give up Kyle Corver in that deal if I'm giving up the number eight pick.
4: And you'd still save money in the long run, even if you took one of Cleveland's bad contracts. You
3: could dec- I mean it could just be J.R. Smith and Jordan Clarkson, which are like dollar for dollar of Otto Porter Jr. And then you send back you
4: send back Otto Porter
3: and you get the number eight pick as well. And just because
4: he, I think the thing with that one is Otto Porter, I, I love him and I I think he's probably still a little bit underrated. But I don't. I still wouldn't give the Cavs a puncher's chance against the Warriors if they had Otto Porter instead of those two guys. Also fair. I think they get a lot closer with that Charlotte package that you offered, and I'm not even sure that one pushes Golden State much. But I think it's certainly, uh, to me, it does more than Otto Porter.
3: Um, and that's really I don't have like you could. There are some other target you could say. What if the Magic are willing to build stuff around Fournier and? And Terrence Ross, those are interesting players, but that's not going to move the needle against the Warriors. I'm still not into the... You could build, if DeAndre Jordan opts in, you could build some... And the Clippers are ready to go full rebuild. You could build some interesting packages that include him and Harris, but I don't know if that really moves the needle against the Warriors. That's what's really interesting here, is the Cavs are so limited in what they could do. They could possibly make a smaller-scale move. uh, A team like the Brooklyn Nets that has Damari Carroll on an expiring deal... Perhaps there's something you could work out there. You're not going to give up the number one pick, uh, number eight pick. Excuse me. That's not what I'm saying, but you could do someone like him would help this team in the interim. And the thing I'll mention here before uh, giving it to you and p- passing the baton and potentially moving on is Cleveland technically could get interesting cap wise in 2019 because of all the partial guarantees with Hill, Corver, J.R. Smith. Thompson and Clarkson are both expirings. Maybe it's easier to offload them. They're, with Kevin Love opting out, there might be some things that they could do that year.
4: Yeah, that's certainly something that LeBron probably has his eye on, too. The, the only other thing I thought about with the trade stuff is if he, let's say they do meet tomorrow and discuss his future and he, he commits to coming back to Cleveland, I think that would probably be with the understanding that they're going to make huge. Or, or try to make huge moves to get the roster better. I don't. I don't think he's going to be happy with fringe stuff. And then in, in when we're dealing with like championship or bust, I think Otto Porter might even be a fringe move, even though he's a max player. I I just don't know if he. I've already said it. I don't think he gets him that much closer to the Warriors. But <laughs> I say this. I I don't really. I don't know of a superstar option out there that they can go and get. I just don't know if they have the assets. The number eight pick is nice, but I'm not sure there's a guy out there that's like instant title contention if we bring him in and is available. (laughs) There's, There's just so many hurdles to clear.
3: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the problem. And then my number one spot then for him would be Houston. And I'm not even crazy about it just because I think they give him the best chance of going up against the Warriors for the next one to two years. I just the feasibility of it, I'm sure That's, the Rockets would make it yeah. happen. It'd have to be an opt-in trade or sign-in trade. But what do you give? We we talked about this already. You can probably get attach Ryan Anderson to two first-round picks and maybe get a team like the Hawks to absorb him, but then you have nothing to offer Cleveland in yeah. a deal. Will Cleveland? I don't take know how two? they make it happen. Yeah. Uh it's and it's not even, you know, you have James Harden nearing his 30th birthday age 33 CP3, age 34 season for LeBron. How much longer is that window open? I just think for the next one to two years, that's clearly the best spot that he could be in.
4: Yeah, it's like the closest to a title probably. I I might put Boston near them in terms of title contention just because it's, it's basically a cakewalk to the East, or I mean to the finals if he's on that team. Whereas if you're in Houston, you have to face the Warriors one round sooner. Um, but then, if you get by the Warriors, then maybe you have the cakewalk in the finals. So I, I don't know. I, it, it's certainly interesting from a contention standpoint, but like you said, to work out how he gets there is just so difficult. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe they get lucky and Chris Paul takes a huge pay cut, but I. I think it was Woj who said this on a pod recently and I think we've talked about this on our pod too is he didn't he probably didn't do that opt-in in trade thinking that he was going to take a huge pay cut the next year there had to be some level of understanding that we will take care of you when the time comes if you if you do this now so and that and, and in addition the players' union always, you know, you want to fight for the rights of the players. And if two of your most high-profile guys—I think you mentioned this the last time we talked—is <laughs> if your two most pro- pro- high-profile guys are taking a pay cut, I'm not sure.
6: Hi-, Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's employee of the month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the.
0: For energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit FiveHourEnergy.com.
4: How well you're fighting for the rights of... The rest of the union so there's there's just so many issues there too there's the funny thing about this discussion I, i've probably used the word issues and hurdles like 50 times in this podcast um in previous summers i feel like it was easier to find destinations for lebron and for other big name free agents but the i think the cloud hanging over all of this is the summer of 2018 is just so weird because there's no cap space um and every player that gets signed <laughs> that cap space gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, and he's, he is the big fish. So nothing really happens until he makes his decision. But I think it makes everything just so much more difficult. The fact that there's so little wiggle room out there.
3: Yeah. That, that's really where I'm with you after kind of parsing through all that and well, Clippers and heat fans. And someone was in my mentions about the wizards and the Raptors have a shot at LeBron. They'll have to forgive us Jazz. for talking about them. Where, where do you think, your gut, where do you think he ends up? Or even if you want to say, do you think he goes back to Cleveland or just flat out leaves? I won't even chain you to a destination.
4: Um, I'm going to say the Lakers. That's my guess. I think for the sake of like the end of his career and the coolest last chapter might be the Spurs, but I think where he's going to go is the Lakers. And I have like, Three percent confidence in that. (laughs) This is just really, really difficult to forecast. Where are you? I think I'm
3: over two. By the way, on his free agency decisions, I think he ends up staying in Cleveland, just because I don't. I don't think there are a ton of better options out there, and maybe Cleveland has this. It's the convenient plays we talked about, and maybe there there are opportunities that could arrive arise on the trade market that we don't know about just yet. And that number eight pick, yeah,
4: they could have some idea. They could have something in mind right now that we haven't, we've never even uh, thought about. I'm not even going to say they could. Talked. They do. They hundred. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah.
3: If he's not going to go to Cleveland, though, my guess would be it's it's Houston. I just feel like it finds a way to happen. I would be floored if he went to the Lakers, and I think that would say more about he just wants to live in L.A. and doesn't necessarily care. His family wants to live in L.A. and he doesn't necessarily care as much about winning titles. That's and I'm not. If he wants to do that, fine. He's earned that right, but he just doesn't seem like that type of player to me.
4: I also think there could be a little piece of him that knows that wherever I go is a title contender, whether that's true or not. I I, I feel like he probably has that confidence in himself.
3: Fair, but the Lakers won't be. Not next year, at least.
4: <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> think they would either. Um, they would. I think they would be very, very interesting right off the bat and maybe a title contender in like two years. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. They're... Uh, I said earlier, I think they could push the Rockets. I don't think they're anywhere near the Warriors still.
3: If he leaves, Kevin Love gone, right?
4: Yeah, if he leaves, they got to figure out a way to blow it up, I would think. Which is easier said than done, because we've already mentioned some of those contracts are going to be tough to move.
3: Love's trade value is going to be interesting, just because he's on an expiring contract. His value, I would say, has declined because of what's happened to him beside LeBron you play alongside these superstars and they, by extension, they marginalize those around them. And I don't think Love's value is going to be that particularly high, which could really pave the way for some team to steal him.
4: Yeah. um, I have a bunch
3: of trades teed up. Would you like to play yes or no with them?
4: Yeah. I was just going to comment real quick on his value. I I don't even remember where I put this. Yeah. and you just asked me if I wrote something about Kevin Love recently, and I said no, and I feel like I have now. I just don't remember where. Maybe it was my own notes or something. Um, the last year in Minnesota, he was third in the entire NBA in box plus minus. If I, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it was only LeBron and Durant who were ahead of him. He was unbelievable. It was like Nikola Jokic only slightly better that last year in Minnesota. It, he was just unreal. Um, and then – if you take his combined box plus minus, box plus minus, that was a fun accent there for a second, over the last four years, um, it was something around 50th in the league. So he's certainly a completely different player, and I think if you're a team that's going after him, you have to ask yourself, is it the guy that's Cleveland in the last four years? If we use him differently, is he instantly Minnesota Kevin Love again? Um, if we use him differently, is he too old now to recapture what he was in Minnesota? Um, so there's a lot of a lot of interesting questions for potential Kevin Love suitors, but I think they they most certainly will be out there. Anyway, let's hear your destinations.
3: Um, the Jazz were one of them, of course. I agree with you by that, 100%. So you need to find a team where that's ready to incorporate him as sort of this high-end compliment, which is yeah. going to be tricky. The Jazz were one of my teams, and I. Made, I, I
4: think this is a perfect fit, but I, keep going.
3: I made this trade as if it was after free agency started, and thirty days after first round picks have signed their their contracts, so that they could be moved and count towards the salary inclusions. And I did this because I don't know if we assume that if that this that Kevin Love is going to be traded at the draft then we have to assume that LeBron is gone, has told him he's gone by the draft. And I, I feel like that's kind of a little bit of a leap because then you're just, I feel like you're isolating his destinations. If he opts in, you know he's going to Houston, basically, is my point. Maybe a San Antonio or a Boston, I guess. But anyway, the deal was yeah. Cavs get Burks, Jurebko, uh, Epke Uda, the number 21 pick, and a 2020 lottery-protected first-round pick, and the Jazz get Kevin Love and just start him alongside
4: Rudy Gobert. You know what was crazy is I did that exact same trade in the Real GM Trade Checker like two days before you asked me about it. So we were on the same wavelength on that one, and I think it makes sense for both sides. Um, We just talked about Kevin Love's value being depressed, so maybe as people are hearing this, they think two first-round picks for Kevin Love? Uh, but I, I think he is a phenomenal fit in Utah. I'm not sure Utah's going to need late first-round picks in the next two or three years. They've done such a good job of building up their assets and their depth um, over the last few years that they're, they're kind of in a nice spot now where I don't want to say first-round picks are expendable, but they're certainly in a position where they can um, talk themselves into spending them. And if you had to like tailor-make a perfect center... <laughs> <laughs> to pair with Kevin Love right now, I feel like it would just be Rudy Gobert. I, they they fit seamlessly to me. Um, you said high-end compliment. That that seems like a perfect uh, pairing with Donovan Mitchell or what he could potentially become. Uh, just reuniting him with Ricky Rubio. There's just so many angles to this that seem to make sense uh, to me and, and I would think would make sense to Kevin Love too.
3: I have nothing to add to that. So you would do that though?
4: I would if I was Utah. I, it, at first glance, it feels like kind of a lot to give up, but, they but could, the players that you're giving aren't going to play anyway. That's that's just salary matching stuff. So that's not that big of a deal. Um, but know, I So I think what it comes down to is you're basically giving two firsts for Kevin Love, and I think they're in a position right now where they can do something like that.
3: If Cleveland's willing to take their 2019 first, and again, this is assuming they're allowed to trade the actual player from the 2018 draft under contract, then maybe it's more appealing because you know that that pick is going to be outside the lottery in 2019. 2020 yeah. it probably would be too, but you open yourself up to, to Kevin Love leave and free agency and all those scenarios.
4: Yeah. And that's the other thing is more than I think some other small markets, Utah can talk itself into thinking he might stay because he has, you know, there's the Players' Tribune video of him saying he loves Park City. Um, I think it was you who told me that he knew their slogan or something like that. So.
3: It was what, during an interview with Donovan Mitchell. Whatever I already forgot it because I didn't know it, but he said oh, okay. it. okay. And, and uh, it was just okay if you remember the Jazz right there.
4: <laughs> yeah, so I think it, it's not very often that star players make sense from a, a basketball – well, th- they generally make sense from a basketball standpoint for a small market. But in terms of just fitting and wanting to stay there, that doesn't happen for small markets too often. And I, I feel like you can talk yourself into that with Kevin Love and the Jazz.
3: Another team I had was the Wizards, just sort of, I don't think this is what John Wall had in mind when he said he wants the Wizards to get more athletic up front, but this would be an addition of opportunity, born from opportunity. The Cavs get Gortat, Jason Smith, assuming he opts in, which he will, the number 15 pick and a 2022 second round pick, the Wizards would get Kevin Love.
4: That's super interesting to me because they don't, In that trade, they're not giving up Porter or Beal. So you keep the big three you already have and add another. um,
3: You save money if you're Cleveland, too, because you know Marcin Gortat and Jason Smith both might trim some. Definitely Gortat probably trim something off the top of a buyout once he gets dealt to Cleveland.
4: Yeah. How much longer is on his contract if they didn't buy him out? Is he expiring?
3: Yeah, him and Jason Smith would be expiring.
4: Yeah. So that makes sense for both sides, I think. You also you could
3: use. Kev- I know the defense would be iffy, but one unlike Gortat, you can you can play Love next to Mahinmi. That might alleviate yeah. some of the damage. And the Wizards need all the space they can get. If John Wall shot, I think thirty-seven plus percent from three this year, but he was under thirty percent on way too many long twos. You just you need and that extra spacing element around him.
4: Offensively, I think a Markeith Morris, Kevin Love front court is interesting too. Well, you already mentioned the defense would be a problem, but um, it's
3: going to be a problem anyway, I, though, because could t- yeah, the I was going to say I think you good. can
4: get you can get away with playing those two guys together.
3: Here's I, I already ran this one by you, so I, I think I know that you approve it. But it's a three team deal, and this is all assuming LeBron leaves. These are the only reason I built these trades. So Cleveland, it's between Cleveland, Philly, and Portland. Cleveland gets Justin Anderson, Jared Bayless's expiring contract, the number ten pick. The Seventy Sixers get C.J. McCollum and the Trailblazers get Kyle Korver and Kevin Love.
4: Okay, run up. Do, it, do it one more time, sorry.
3: Cavaliers get Anderson, who is basically an expiring contract because he's coming up on a restricted free agency. Bay- Jared Bayless' expiring deal, and the number 10 pick. Philadelphia oh, yeah. gets CJ McCollum, and then the Trailblazers get Kyle Korver and Kevin Love. The two things that stood out to me, Philly probably only does this if you've already missed on Paul George and LeBron James at the same time, because you have Roko's salary and a bunch of other assets. If Paul George or LeBron wanted to come, you still get to work out the sign and trade scenarios for Portland. They're taking on a little bit of salary, which is big for a team that's up against the cap, but Kevin Love kind of mitigates the need for them to resign both or even either of Ed Davis and, and Joseph Nurkic Kyle Corver doesn't replace A.J. McCollum, but the Blazers need quick fire shooters who can come around screens and he helps with the floor balance and Kevin Love is used to playing off the ball more than McCollum at this point. It might just make for a cleaner fit, not just alongside Damian Lillard, but all of a sudden now Evan Turner is easier to integrate just because he can have the ball in his hands more without forcing someone like McCollum to play
0: outside his comfort zone. Wherever you go, however you go, For energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit fivehourenergy.com.
1: 5-Hour Tea with caffeine from green tea leaves.
4: Yeah, I um, just sort of thinking about that framework. I kind of like it for every team. If you've got CJ McCollum and JJ Redick's role, uh, you're saving money if you're Cleveland. And I think that does make Portland a little bit better, too. And, you know, Kevin Love's a Pacific Northwest guy. So that's interesting. Uh, the, the main thing I was thinking about was Ben Simmons, CJ McCollum, Robert Covington. Dario Saric, we, did you say he was in this deal? No, he's not. So you've got Simmons, McCollum, Roko, Saric, and Embiid. That's that's pretty scary.
3: And McCollum kind of seems like what Philly needed in that series against Boston. Is just that face-up floor spacer who can do where J.J. Redick did one. He does both because he can create his own
4: office. Yeah, he can do stuff for himself, too. So you add an extra layer. Um, yeah, that one's interesting for sure.
3: I have two more for you. This one you also approved. It's the Lakers. They're either doing this in conjunction of getting two other stars, or they're doing it with an eye on really going all in on 2019. But Los Angeles gets Kevin Love. Cleveland gets Luel Dang, Josh Hart, Kuzma, and the number 25 pick. Again, this is all happening after 30 days after picks have signed for 120% of the rookie scale.
4: It was... Kevin Love for Dang, Kuzma, Hart, and... Number 25. Yeah, that one's interesting to me, too. And and like you said, this is assuming they do not get LeBron. Um, Maybe
3: LeBron really wants to play with Kevin Love again. You don't know.
4: Yeah, that could be.
3: Well, Kevin Love's also more... more. He's more valuable to the Lakers, not just immediately, but if he doesn't opt out next year, something has gone wrong. And so you know yeah. his money's coming off the books and you could re-sign him, but it also leaves you more flexible when, you know, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler could be entering free agency, same for Leonard.
4: LeBron could be entering free Yeah, that free one's agency interesting too. <laughs> um I guess the question there is, does does LA wanna sell on Kuzma and Hart's upside for uh, I'm not sure you'd do it if you get, get Cleveland, Kevin Love, if you can, if you think you're getting Minnesota or close to Minnesota, Kevin Love, I think it certainly makes more sense. Do you do sense, this deal
3: I... if you sign just – let's say you sign just Paul George and now you're in this position where you want to add another star again in 2019 with him already there. Do you do this trade? Because you get a star in Kevin Love now and then with Dang's money off the books, or do you look I'd... at it as if we needed to get Dang's money off the books, it would be easier next summer – when he's an expiring contract, the flip side of that is I think Kevin Love makes you better now, which is something Paul yeah, was George would say, be interesting in.
4: Yeah. If they, I was going to agree with you. If they, if they got Paul George, I would, I would like that trade more. Like if they had another max guy before making the deal,
3: this is my last one. And I think it's probably a sell low situation, but I don't know how we, it's more similar to me to the Utah package than any of the other ones. I just don't know that Kevin Love's market is going to be particularly robust. But Cleveland, uh, the the Spurs, Kevin Love goes to the Spurs, and the Cavaliers get Pau Gasol, Derek White, and the number 18 pick.
4: Okay, say it one more time, sorry.
3: Cleveland gets Pau Gasol, Derek White, and the number 18 pick for Kevin Love.
4: For Kevin Love. Um,
3: Pau Gasol is risky because yeah. he has that second year in his deal, but again only $6.7 guaranteed. He becomes a buyout candidate, maybe someone who could, who would leave money on the table this year to leave Cleveland, and you save money that way. And then I would rather have Utah's two undefined first-round picks or you know, if Utah's giving you a future first and this year's first, rather than get Derek White, who is still kind of this unknown commodity. There's a year that's ticked off his rookie scale, but you look at it in a vacuum and you're getting two... Low end first, and salary fodder for for Kevin Love. This is probably the, this is the biggest stretch for me, but it would be one. I would love to see Kevin Love on the Spurs, but two, yeah, depending on the market, I think it's something maybe you consider.
4: That that's funny that you closed with that because that's exactly what I was thinking. I, to me, what kept coming into my mind as you were laying this one out was, um, I guess it all just depends on what offers are out there. For Kevin Love, because it seems like that's something that another team could beat. Um, that was my first thought. And then the other thing is Kevin Love and Lamarcus Aldridge is kind of an interesting front court. But I do think that you know, K- Popovich could probably figure out how to make that work. I don't, I don't hate it, but like you said, I think this is probably the biggest stretch that you've thrown out so far.
3: Offensively, it wouldn't be a problem for those two. Defense would be an issue, but Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh, he held opponents to 54 percent seven percent shooting at the rim last year. He was year. great this season. Yep, and among the 62 players to average three point five or more challenges at the rim per game, he ranked ninth in opponent field goal percentage. Uh, so I would not. Have the other that. thing that's... is, is if you look at San Antonio's depth chart, they are not deep up front at all. So it becomes super easy to stagger Aldridge and Love, yeah, and true. then play a small ball for. It. Yeah, and San Antonio could probably sweeten this deal if you include some second-round picks. Uh, maybe, I i don't know who else. I'm not giving up Murray in this deal. If, if, the, if the Cavaliers wanted Patty Mills' contract for some reason, which runs longer than Gasol's, you could do that. But they could add some future seconds would probably be their best bet at sweetening it. I think it's like you said, it depends upon what's out there.
4: Yeah, and I think that's probably we could probably say that about a lot of these deals because <laughs> I think the jazz one
3: is probably my favorite. Like looking that's at that's my
4: favorite too, but I feel shocker. like shocker.
3: I think just looking at terms of a team that <laughs> would actually offer this package because the Lakers package I think is actually most appealing for both sides, but the Lakers need to be in a very specific situation to offer it as do the Cavs yeah. to accept it.
4: And the thing that I, um, that I just said about the Spurs is probably true of everyone too. It just, it just depends so much on what his value is actually going to be once, once the off season really gets going.
3: Well, we'll have to revisit this when LeBron finally makes his decision, because I have him going back to Cleveland right now, though I have flip flop. I have it as Cleveland or Houston and I could flip up again. And you just have, you have him leaving Cleveland for, and your most likely pick would be LA. I'm
4: saying the Lakers.
3: Wouldn't it be great if it was, like none of those three.
4: Yeah, just something random. Like the jazz. Come on.
3: And if you should talk some <laughs> people into you should talk some people into SLC Dunk about writing an article for it
4: for that. Scenario. Oh, I'm honestly I think I'm gonna write it, to be honest with you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> listen, Chris Middleton to Utah just bank on it next year.
4: I think that's a good one.
0: I'm gonna start
4: think- the SLC Dunk article by saying, listen, this isn't gonna happen, but I'm going to spend the next several paragraphs convincing you why he should play here. And then I want you to retweet it into the sun to make sure that he sees it.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you that's, write, if, that's if, you, my opening. if you have the, if you have the gall to write that article, I will
4: retweet the living hell out of it. All right. That's it. I was already leaning towards writing it, but now that that is officially. <laughs> <made it. laughs> uh, do we have anything else we want to explore on LeBron or Kevin love before we wrap tonight's up? I guess the
3: only thing, and it wouldn't even work, is I was gonna say, could Oklahoma City talk itself into taking Kevin Love for Paul George, but a sign and trade there hard caps Cleveland, and there, I have with while you're carrying LeBron's hold right now and Rodney Hood's hold, I have them. I have them at one hundred and fifty-four million dollars in projected salary, which is very about twenty-five million dollars over the projected apron, and you can't to give Paul George 30 million actually increase, increases your bottom line. So I don't even think that's worth talking about them. I thought, you know, I don't know that Kevin Love makes Oklahoma city better, but if you were going to lose Paul George, he would be a, f- and you want to win with Russell Westbrook, he would be a pretty good consolation.
4: Those, I think those two would be interesting together. Um, but Paul George would probably that,
3: need to opt in. And I don't, he leaves yeah. a boatload of money on the table. If we
4: were, that. if we were talking about Paul George uh, in this, podcast I, I feel like he's almost certainly going to the Lakers
3: we'll have to do one on him in his scenarios I'm not ruling him out go, going back to OKC just yet but I just don't think the Lakers are as intriguing as people make them out to be that's my only that's my only thing
4: basketball wise I think that's true I, I feel like with it and then <laughs> I don't really have any evidence to back this up because they've whiffed on so many free agents uh in recent history but with Paul George it seems like the allure of the Lakers matters.
3: I think he is the most likely free agent in years to go there. That I would yeah. agree with.
4: Yeah. Um, all right. We have talked a lot about LeBron James, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Kevin Love. If you have any gripes with uh, the situations that we laid out or the possibilities for those guys for next season, uh, or if you just want to tell us how great we are, you can find Dan on Twitter at Dan Favelli, uh F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. And if you go to nbamath.com slash shop, uh, you can get 15% off anything there if you enter the promo code Beno B-E-N-O. Like Dan said at the top of the show, rate, review, subscribe. If you haven't done it already, I assume you probably subscribe if you're listening to this. So uh, the next step in life is to go out and steal people's phones. (laughs) And uh, subscribe to them as well. And uh, it'll bring much joy to you, and it'll bring much joy to those whose phones you pilfered. Uh, until next time, we leave you with a shout-out to Ben Oudry.
3: And shout-out Kyle Anderson. Hi, it's Jamie,
6: Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie,
3: it's me, Jamie. This
6: is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back i mean you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool it should be you giving me the pep talk now get out there hit that high note and take mad harmony all the way to nationals this year sorry is pitchy
5: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
0: wherever you go however you go for energy on the go it's got to be five-hour energy It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy, energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com.